Washington, D.C. has uh, always been known as Hollywood for ugly people, right? Because, like, <laughs> a lot of power, but right. maybe not a lot of looks out Nerd there. Prom. Nerd prom. Nerd <laughs> yeah. But then you've got real Hollywood, and then you've got a president who's actually married the two together. Stay tuned. That's just part of what's ahead in our bonus content. More conversation coming up after this week's edition of In Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. Good morning, I'm Dan Spieler. Congress back in session this week with more Indiana influence on display and more controversy on the horizon. There's the Florida recount fight and, of course, the Mueller probe. The president answering written questions from Mueller with a lot of speculation about what could be coming next. There's a battle brewing in Congress already over potential legislation to protect Mueller in the wake of Jeff Sessions' firing. Meantime, Indiana Senator-elect Mike Braun went to Capitol Hill this past week, meeting with Republican leader Mitch McConnell. And yes, in the midst of that Florida recount fight, there's Florida governor and likely Senator-elect Rick Scott in that gathering as well. We could learn more later today about the Florida recount. Republicans will control the Senate, as we know, by what margin? Still a question at this point. Mike Braun will join Todd Young representing Indiana in the Senate. And big news this week for Senator Young. He is an influential new role after being selected as the next chair of the National Republican Senate Committee, tasked with keeping that Senate majority in 2020. I spoke with Senator Young about his new role and about some of the other big news this week in Washington. All right, right now we're joined by Senator Todd Young. First off, congratulations on the new role there, chairing the NRSC. Oh, thanks so much, Dan. Looking at the political landscape there in Washington, realistically, what are these next two years going to be like ahead of the 2020 election and with the two parties now splitting control of Congress? Well, I'd like to look at this as an opportunity uh, to find some common ground on important priorities for the American people. Under Republican leadership, we've already got the economy moving again. Unemployment rate is as low as it's been since the 60s. Uh, wages are starting to rise. Consumers are optimistic. So let's build on that in a bipartisan way, get infrastructure reform done, maybe uh, into our rural areas. We can get uh, broadband build out. And let's continue uh, to the extent uh, we can through the United States Senate, which Republicans still control. Let's continue to put uh, quality federal judges on the bench that don't make their own law, but instead apply the Constitution faithfully. And obviously it's some talk about the judges in the news this week. We saw Leader McConnell earlier this week with Mike Braun and the other incoming senators, including Florida Governor Rick Scott, who's been in that recount fight there in Florida. Overall, as you said, some big gains this year, but looking at the map for 2020, you'll be defending a, a number of GOP seats in, in swing states, so perhaps kind of the opposite of what we saw with this year's Senate map. Will it be a tougher challenge to keep the Senate in 2020 compared to this year? Well, there will be. I mean, the map, as you said, it's going to be more difficult. We have 22 Republicans who will be up for re-election uh, just in two years, and uh, that's the inverse of what we've experienced. Now, 20 of those states were won by Donald Trump, and the other two are represented by quality uh, United States senators uh, who I believe are going to wage very strong campaigns. And uh, we at the NRSC are going to make sure they're well-resourced. So I'm grateful my colleagues put their faith in me to lead the National Republican Senatorial Committee. And it'll also help to have a Hoosier voice at the leadership table. Uh, on another topic, Leader McConnell this week also said he was not inclined to take up a bill protecting the Mueller probe. Senator Flake still fighting for that legislation in the wake of Jeff Sessions firing and the president again tweeting today about that. Where do you stand on that question of legislation that would protect Robert Mueller? 
I, I think uh, Robert Mueller needs to be able to carry out his investigation with, uh, without interruption. He also needs to wrap it up as quickly as possible so that the American people uh, don't have this thing drag on forever. I don't think the legislation is necessary. I'm open to uh, principled debate, and that sort of debate will continue. But uh, I think the president recognizes, as do all his advisors around him, that it would really be ill-advised for him uh, to uh, end this investigation. What about the acting attorney general? Do you have any concerns about his appointment? And what kind of attorney general do you want to see the president put up permanently here for Senate confirmation? Well, it's our job uh, to exercise our oversight function with respect to uh, the Department of Justice, as, as with all the other departments of the executive branch. So uh, the Judiciary Committee has been conducting robust oversight. That will continue in both the House and the Senate, I imagine, moving forward. And so we'll continue to do our due diligence and make sure that uh, our, our laws are carried out faithfully. Also, you're hoping uh, realistically uh, to accomplish here in Washington, as we said, could be seeing some gridlock over the next couple of years. Uh, where will your top priorities lie in the Senate? Well, I'm glad you asked. In addition to uh, infrastructure legislation, and we're the crossroads of America, so we could really uh, benefit disproportionately from passage of that. Retirement security, making sure that every American, every Hoosier has uh, a comfortable retirement is something I've been working on in my office. In fact, we just had Secretary of Labor uh, Acosta in the state to discuss uh, some of my legislation to make it easier for small businesses to set up employment accounts for their employees. That will go a long way towards uh, making sure that rank and file Hoosiers feel a lot more comfortable as they age and, and uh, uh, they'll have a re uh, comfortable retirement on the back end of that. A lot happening there in Washington. Senator Todd Young, thanks so much for joining us. Congratulations again on the new role there with the NRSC. Thank you, Dan. All right, meantime, this past week, Vice President and former Indiana Governor Mike Pence represented the United States overseas in Japan. You're looking at a video of his arrival in Tokyo, where he met with the Japanese Prime Minister to discuss North Korea and China. But he was also asked about freedom of the press in the midst of the president's recent feud with CNN reporter Jim Acosta. And there's no comparison whatsoever uh, between disagreements over decorum at the White House and the imprisonment of two reporters uh, in Myanmar. Uh, and we'll continue to stand very strongly on the world stage, whether, whether it be the case in Myanmar with two Reuters reporter, whether it be the murder of Jamal Khashoggi uh, in Turkey. We'll continue to, to condemn actions against a free and independent press because, uh, as the President understands, we understand uh, uh, prosperity and freedom go hand in hand, and that includes a free and independent press. Now, also this week, we sat down with a man who was former Governor Pence's predecessor here in Indiana, former Governor Mitch Daniels, who in the recent past has said as a Republican he feels lost in his own party. He says he has no plans to return to politics, but we asked him about the political climate after the midterms and about his hopes for the future of politics. Well, I think we always have to be hopeful about the future. I would say the recent past was a little discouraging, the, 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 the tenor, the, the harshness, the negativity of the last campaign on all sides I didn't think was too becoming of a healthy uh, democracy and it certainly didn't do much to point us toward a better future which good campaigns can do but um, uh, there's there's a lot of evidence that uh, what they now call the pollsters call the exhausted majority is a little tired of this and maybe uh, they'll start to send a message that uh, hey bring us something a little more uplifting bring us something a little more constructive next time we all go to the polls
All right, up next, we'll talk with Governor Holcomb as lawmakers get ready to return to the State House for Org Day. Plus, Curtis Hill back in the news with a prominent new role in a national organization, despite the controversy he has faced here in Indiana. And Amazon says no thanks to Indianapolis. We'll talk with one of the architects of the city's bid for HQ2 coming up next. at our panel this morning. Tim Swearens is a columnist with our partners at the Indy Star. Tony Samuel was vice chair of the Indiana Trump campaign in 2016. And Jennifer Wagner, former communications director for the Indiana Democrats. And let's start in Washington here, guys. President Trump, according to a lot of reports, not very happy behind the scenes after the midterm elections. Perhaps more staff shakeups on the way. There were the tweets about the Mueller probe this week with more news perhaps coming on that front. By the way, President Trump sitting down today with the host of Fox News Sunday, Chris Wallace. You can see that interview coming up this morning on Fox 59. Jennifer, Tony, I'll start with you guys. Are, are we on the verge of a, a real showdown here over the Mueller probe? I think it's possible, but, you know, I mean, it, anything's possible, right? I don't think that things are better or worse than they have been over the last year. Um, when Donald Trump gets mad, people get fired. When Donald Trump gets mad, he says things he shouldn't. So it could be a really interesting, you know, coming few weeks, but I'm not sure it's any worse or better than it has been. How does the, the, the midterm, the results of the midterm, affect the mood there in Washington and the, the calculus there in the White House right well, now? Well, we've seen a lot of anonymous reports like we've seen throughout this administration about his mood and, 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 and whether he's angry or not at folks. Uh, I think I saw a preview, I know, uh, of, of his interview with Chris Wallace, and um, he says he's as happy as can be there at, at the White House. This kind of thing is ongoing, but uh, amidst it all, he gets things done and he keeps moving forward. I think Where are we we'll headed continue to, to see that. I think we're headed to for more wild times in, in the nation's capital, just like we've seen over the last two years. In fairness to the president, it is common after a midterm election for staff changes to and be made. And he has said that, yeah. Uh, obviously, you talk about staff shakeups. There was even a report in the New York Times Friday that he's been asking people inside the White House whether he thinks Mike Pence is loyal or not. And I know we've talked about that back and forth here and there. Um, certainly, uh, I don't think a lot of people here in Indiana believe Mike Pence is in any situation where he's about to do something else, not be on the ticket in 2020, right? There was just the we press conference no, a couple weeks right, ago. We have I mean, no right, evidence to you're support running with that. Me, right? and, and I think one of the interesting things of last week, while, while all of this chaos is going on, that Mike Pence was traveling abroad, meeting with world leaders, right. dealing with substantive issues. And we saw that earlier here on the broadcast this morning. All right, also a potential battle brewing for Democrats here. Nancy Pelosi, uh, over Nancy Pelosi, and whether she will indeed be the next House Speaker. A number of Democrats this week saying they will not support her, though it would seem she still has the support of most of her caucus. Guys, how will this all play out for, for Democrats, Jennifer? Well, I think it's a lot of posturing. And I, I say that as someone who, you know, during the election thought maybe it would be time for, for new leadership, for, uh, for a new leader in that caucus if we won back the majority, which we did. But honestly, nobody's really stepped up to the plate. And 17 or 18 Democrats saying they're going to vote against Nancy Pelosi feels to me like they're trying to position themselves to be able to say in their next cycle, because they're in tough races, I voted against Nancy Pelosi. You can trust me to stand up to Washington. And is she going to be the, the foil, you think, for President Trump here over the next couple of years as we get ready for 2020? It could be, but I think it depends how Democrats react to pres President Trump in, in these next few months. Uh, like Senator Young was saying earlier, there's an opportunity to get some things done. But if they continue down the road of just attacking him, attacking him, 
uh, to get him out of office in 2020, then she becomes the foil and, and nothing gets done. Is she in any danger here, you think? I don't think so. We don't have evidence that she is. I, I would expect lots of drama over the next year, two years, lots of clashes between the White House and the House. All right, let's also talk about that Indiana influence on display in Washington. Couple noteworthy items here. You just mentioned Senator Young, who we spoke with earlier, named chair of the NRSC, a pretty big role as we move toward 2020, as Republicans try to keep their majority in the Senate. But there was also this news this past week embattled Attorney General Curtis Hill, named vice chair of the Republican Attorney General's Association, despite some of the groping allegations he has faced and for which he has now been legally cleared. One of his accusers this week saying, quote, I continue to believe that Curtis Hill is not fit to serve the people of Indiana as AG based upon his conduct. She said his involvement in other organizations is not my concern. What do you guys make of, of this news and, and also Senator Young's new role in Washington as well? Look, the, uh, the ra Raga, 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 the Republican Attorneys General, they put him there and if, if it turns out that there's something to these allegations, then they're probably going to take him out of that spot. Congratulations, you've got a leadership spot in RAGA. Um, Todd Young deserves accolades. I think he'll do a good job in that position. Um, we were talking earlier that it's a thankless one, um, but it's also a win-win because if Republicans you know, run the table and Donald Trump wins re-election in 2020, he looks like a hero. If they don't, that it's Donald Trump's fault, not Todd Young's. Or the tough map, which we talked right. about there with Senator Young. You've defended the Attorney General. He said yeah. this week he feels he's moved past that whole situation. Yeah, and I continue to, and, and, and I, I think he is getting past it, but he's doing a lot from his uh, office, uh, at the Attorney General's office, since these allegations have come out and since he's been cleared. Uh, the Raga thing was something that he didn't solicit. Um, he was nominated and uh, voted unanimously in as the vice chair of, uh, of Raga and um, uh, another issue that he's dealt with uh, here in this week is the opioid crisis. He's announced that, a press conference that, on uh, that, that as well. the, the state yeah. will be suing Purdue Pharma, which has nothing to do with right. Purdue University. Right, they, then Purdue University does <laughs> like to point that out. Make sure we get that in there. Tim, your thoughts. So the four women who say that the Attorney General groped them uh, are not going away. Uh, they've signaled that they are going to file a civil lawsuit. They're continuing to speak uh, in public about what happened that night. Uh, the Attorney General has admitted that he did touch these women without permission to the degree is, is what's at dispute here. It's unfortunate that he is giving, whatever prominent this role is, that he's been given a national role in light of these allegations. We'll see what happens next there. Obviously, uh, the issue uh, of sexual harassment obviously will be brought up at the State House as well as we move towards next year's legislative session. We are just two days away now from Organization Day. Indiana lawmakers returning to work at the State House Tuesday, at least for one day here, preparing for some of this year's big issues on the agenda. At the top of the list this year, coming up with a new two-year state budget, always a lot that that comes with that, local groups that want funding for uh, for one reason or another. We'll talk more about that next week. Also watching for some issues like medical marijuana, sports gambling that could get some attention. But we'll also see a focus on hate crime legislation. Indiana, one of five states without a hate crime law. Governor Holcomb wants to change that. Um, supportive last uh, legislative session, uh, but didn't weigh in heavily. Um, this session coming up, um, it's gonna be part of my agenda. We seek to improve uh, tomorrow where we are today. And so we'll continue to focus uh, on our agenda and, uh, and, and look to work with others that might have a different agenda. 
What do you think we may see on that topic this year? Hate crimes, obviously, that's been in the news an awful lot. Yeah, I think the governor being behind it, the chamber being behind it, gives it a lot more uh, chance of succeeding at the state house. Um, I think the medical marijuana issue that was up there is interesting. There was some polling out this week that an overwhelming number uh, of Hoosiers, majority of Hoosiers, Republicans and Democrats support that and even support going beyond that and legalizing marijuana. So I think you're seeing a shift in some of those issues, which may or may not play out this coming session, but will play out in the future. What kind of a session is this going to be, Tony? A lot of big issues, a lot of yeah. big item issues. There's also going to be a, a, a gaming bill. You might see um, um, an effort to increase cigarette taxes. Right, um, we heard about that a, a this past stuff, week, cold a $2 beer. increase. It's cold, called, yes, yeah. uh, cold beer also is going to, yeah. at convenience stores, is going to come back up, I think. So a lot of things. Tim, on that hate crime question, is, is that something you think there will be enough political will in the General Assembly to get that done this year? I think there's a, a better chance than we've ever seen. I think the governor being behind it and, and making it a part of his priorities uh, is an important move. So it, it definitely, it, it's always, listen, I don't predict uh, anymore after the 2016 <laughs> elections. I won't predict the fate of that legislation, but it, it has better chance than ever. Uh, what else are you guys looking for this year at the State House that might be of interest? Obviously, we talked about, uh, you know, obviously a policy on sexual harassment. We mm -hmm. heard a little bit about that on Friday with some experts saying uh, even the recommendations that are coming out uh, appear to them to be somewhat dated. Well, I mean, that's Indiana, right? We're always a little bit behind everybody else. Um, so, I mean, hopefully there'll be some stronger wording on that. I would obviously in my past have advocated for uh, adding uh, sexual orientation and gender identity to the protected classes in Indiana. I don't know if that will go anywhere this year. Um, and I think infrastructure. Uh, are we going to have more tolling? How are we going to pay for this? I mean, we've got a lot of great road construction going on right now, but how do we keep paying for it in the future? All right. Anything else to watch for, Tim? I would just urge the governor and the General Assembly to be bold. We are in a very strong position, an unusually strong position in terms of the budget. Uh, the economy is really good right now. This is the time to think big, to think long term, uh, to push this state forward uh, aggressively in ways that we might not be able to do once the economy uh, starts to weaken again. All right. Two-year budget, just one of the many items uh, on the agenda this year in the state legislature. All right, coming up next, why Amazon said no to Indianapolis. We're talking with one of the key architects of the city's bid right after this. Stick around. Well, in the end, Indianapolis was a finalist but didn't get the top prize. Amazon's HQ2 split between two cities, New York and the D.C. suburbs in northern Virginia. This week we spoke with Maureen Cross from the Indy Chamber, who is a big part of our city's bid process. They went for the size of the metropolitan area. And so that's nothing we can change next time. Uh, but I think it's something that makes us feel a little better because we were put on a list with those large communities. Officials still would not reveal exactly what went into our bid in terms of financial incentives. They did say it was not as much as was offered by New York and D.C. But what's the takeaway here, guys? Should we simply be proud to be on this list here, or are there some important lessons to be learned from this process? Well, I'm going to channel our Republican counterpart who's not here today, who wanted everyone to know that there's no participation <laughs> ribbons in, uh, you know, Mike Murphy, in Mike Murphy yes. wants everyone to know that. Um, I think we should be proud. I, I don't know that you know we should go out and say, oh, we're on this list with all these other right. big cities, but I think we should be proud of the fact that we made it that far, um, and we were someone that was taken, uh, a city that was taken seriously. Tony, what do you think? Uh, sure, proud, uh, but we move on to the next one. And the interesting thing that I've thought through uh, the whole process was Amazon, great marketing for Amazon. Right. And every city they had throughout the country just about was doing what right. we were doing, and, and, and great promotion for them. 
and then they picked two on the East Coast. Was that you know a foregone conclusion? And you know, it's, well, and that's the thing. You go yeah. through this whole process, and then they come up with two cities that anyone probably could have thought those are the two cities right. with the biggest talent pool and infrastructure in the country. Right? right. There were there were twenty finalists, and then there were finalists of the finalists. Right. And when we weren't one of them, I don't think being on the list by itself means a whole lot. It's nice, but it doesn't mean a whole lot. What I do think is important. Uh, what we saw happen is regional cooperation. The mayor of Fishers and the mayor of Indianapolis worked together, and other uh, regional leaders worked together on this bid process. That's something we need to learn and see more of down the road. Uh, you know, we, we recognize that we are a very rapidly growing tech hub. Uh, that's something we can need to continue to build on. Those are all good things. It's important that we, you know, we understand a list itself doesn't matter, but some of the fundamentals that went into making that list are good. Yeah, are there tangible things we can build on here, I guess? There are, and I, I do think that one of the things that's been frustrating, though, since we did not get HQ 1.5, 2.2, <laughs> is that everybody wants there to be a reason why. Everyone wants to say, oh, it's because we don't have great energy policies or because mass transit, is mass transit yeah. or because we don't have non-discrimination. And honestly, we just didn't get it because we're not New York City or Washington, D.C., and that's okay. Um, but I think that's our biggest lesson is we can compete. The regional aspect of it was great. And to your point, Tony, on to the next thing. Yeah, a lot of people thought the Washington, D.C. suburbs were probably a shoe in to begin with. I think they had a couple of finalists on the list from the D.C. area, so not a surprise at all. All right, stick around. We'll be right back with this week's winners and losers after this. This week's winners and losers. Tim, I'll start with you. My winner is Todd Young, who we mentioned earlier in the show. He's only been in the Senate for two years, but a, a, a key role in the Republican caucus. Chad I agree completely. My winner also, Todd Young, for, for his new role, and congratulations. Tim, loser, another U.S. Senator, Jeff Flake, for what he's doing now, tying the Mueller probe to federal um, uh, judicial oh. nominations by the president and saying he won't vote for any unless there's a, a bill passed to protect the Mueller probe where the president isn't looking to, to fire Mueller at all. Let's see what happens. Jen, you uh, word. I would uh, be remiss if I didn't mention that uh, we, we laid to rest this past week yep. uh, Matt Tully, uh, mm -hmm. a great journalist at the Indianapolis Star. I agree that Todd Young is my winner. And the other winner is actually all of us, because you can actually watch that football game today with no interruptions. No, no campaign political commercials. advertising. <laughs> That's right. All yeah. right, guys, thank you so much, and thank you for joining us. We'll see you again next Sunday in Focus. Okay, hanging out after the show here with Jennifer Wagner, Tony Samuel, Tim Swearens, and talking more on our podcast about uh, Indiana Senator-elect Mike Braun and Senator Todd Young. They will be uh, Indiana's two U.S. senators. We heard from Senator Young on the show. He's going to be chairing the NRSC. That's a pretty influential position in Washington in terms of someone who's really going to have his hands on the, uh, on the radar, on the fundraising efforts of all the Republican senators moving toward 2020 when the GOP will be trying to keep the Senate majority. It, it's a tough map for uh, Republicans in 2020. They're defending a lot of seats. Uh, and, and a lot of it's going to be determined at the top, though, by right. top of the ticket. Uh, how President Trump fares and whoever Democrats come up with to run against him. And some of their incumbents are in states that uh, the president didn't do as well or it could be close. But uh, what, what, do you, what do you see when you see Todd Young uh, taking a position like that? What does that mean? More influence for Indiana in some sense, too, on the national stage? Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, and he's a very energetic guy, so he's, he's a good pick. Um, he's young. He's... Uh, um, he's going to be good for the state, but also, I think, good for uh, countries around, or senators around the, the nation, Republicans, because he's just gone through it two years ago. 
uh, and then he was a big part of, uh, of, of this year's race uh, races. So um, yeah, just good, good for all of us, I think. Did, did you know that he's a Marine? <laughs> he mentioned that a time or two in the campaign. I bring that up because, uh, I mean, it, it did become a running joke during the election because he said it probably 28 times during every press event, but he does stay on message. And I think um, that's an important thing for the, the chair of the NRSC that, you know, he's going to stick to the races that they commit to, uh, probably also have to deliver some bad news of, mm -hmm. you know, races that are not going to be as close. Um, I think it also says that, you know, nobody thinks his seat's in jeopardy here. And as you said, he is very on message. Do you think this changes the way uh, he approaches uh, some of the top political issues? I mean, he's always been somewhat careful in questions about the Mueller probe in, in our interview. He didn't say... Uh, no, I, I don't. I think they need to shut it down right now. He said, "I think the probe needs to continue, but I think it needs to wrap up soon." He didn't necessarily say flakes, right? He didn't necessarily say, uh, you know, it, he kind of took a careful. He, he, he's careful, there. and, and yeah. I expect Todd Young to continue to be that way. That's who he is. He, he tends to be uh, a little more thoughtful, a little more cautious. He's not a bomb thrower. I don't expect him to to come out and throw partisan bombs, even even though he, the role he does have now. Uh, is a very political uh, role, obviously. What kind of a senator will Mike Braun be? We saw him in D.C. He was wearing a tie. You're wearing a tie today. It's not <laughs> yeah, always, yeah, Tony, yeah, with the tie. It looks I good. I say thank you very much. Yeah. My first time wearing it. election fanciness. Right. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, so Mike Braun changed already the, the persona to uh, get to D.C. and get it to know. That's good. He, he, he should wear ties sometimes. Um, he's a good guy. Uh, he ran a very disciplined campaign. Uh, kudos to his campaign team, Mike Gentry and Josh Kelly. Uh, and others, many others. Um, also, they had RNC folks here in the state um, that, that did a great job. Um, I, I think he'll be very disciplined and, and look to support the president, as he said, all along through the campaign, but also be his own guy. And, and if he needs to um, have a little uh, different uh, change to the presidential message, I think he will. Do you have to wear a tie to the Senate? I assume there's rules. You have to wear a tie on the... I don't know. I don't know either. This is, this it's worth looking into. Future podcast right, topic. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm just curious. Right. Sorry, Tim. I just... so, so, so Braun took a lot of criticism, including from Republicans, during the campaign. You know, he was not flashy. He was kind of, uh, you know... It, it reminds me of, uh, and forgive the sports analogy, but it reminds me of, of, a, of a good team that has a ground game, you know, and they're picking up three or four yards at a time. Sure. It's not flashy, but they're right. getting the job done, and the goal is to win, and, and he knew that's what he needed to do. And he, and he did it every step of the way, winning a primary that uh, he kind of came out of nowhere to be two sitting members of Congress who were really at each other's throats, and he kind of uh, emerged as the uh, alternative option C, I suppose, in that race, and, and then took that straight through to the general election. What are these next two years going to be like, though, in, in D.C. overall? <laughs> um, I mean, you hear Senator Young talking about trying to find common ground. Is that realistic? I don't know. I mean, you heard Governor Daniels say that in, in his interview. I, I don't know. I mean, I'd like to think it is. You know, we hear all this talk. The, the common ground issue of choice seems to be infrastructure that everyone thinks we can all come together on. But the devil's in those details, and I just don't know, with Donald Trump running for re-election and Democrats in control of the House, how we reach that level of decorum. We haven't done it the last two years. Um, I'm, I'm very negative this morning. I'm very sorry about that. Uh, but I don't see a whole lot of hope until we get through 2020. I mean, you talked about the president in the clip from Fox News Sunday interview saying he's still... Uh, trying to stay positive, but a lot of reports behind the scenes that that may not be the case here with the, the potential looming threat of investigations in the Democratic-led House. 
Yeah. Uh, what, are th what are things like there behind the scenes, do you That's, think? That is the concern that the Democrats, now that they have some power by controlling the House, they won't be able to help themselves uh, and they'll be pushed by the folks that, like Adam Schiff and, and others that, that want to continue the investigations or, or reopen investigations or look into his taxes and, and all kinds of things. So if, if that temptation wins over, then you're going to see, and the, the, the president said it early on after, I think the day after the election, you're going to see a, um, kind of a, a, a war, a battling kind of um, uh, you know, presence and by both, both sides. What's interesting is you also see, and I think we've already seen it, um, battles shaping up within that House Democrat caucus between the, the far left progressives and some that still want to say uh, state uh, in, in the centrist mode. And maybe those folks realize that if you go too far left, it kills your chances in 2020. So I think we're going to see some battles there. We already are. Uh, and of course, the clashes with the administration and, and the House uh, will be forthcoming. Battle lines are already being drawn. They are. Good to go back to incivility for a second. I think the temptation is to think it's isolated the politics, and it's definitely not. That's a great point. Uh, That's you know, a really great da point. David, David French is a writer for National Review, a, a thoughtful, careful, conservative writer. And he had a, a thread on Twitter on Friday to talk about uh, the amount of abuse and threats that he and his wife have suffered in recent years from both the left and the right. Uh, and some of it, a lot of it had to do with his criticism of the president. He's not a fan of Donald Trump. But his, also, his wife was also uh, uh, harassed uh, because she revealed that she had been, she's a survivor of sexual abuse. And she talked about uh, the difficulties she had emotionally because of the 2016 campaign and all that. And, and those were not political figures who were attacking the Frenches. Those are regular people. Uh, we have a problem in this country where uh, we are in our camps and we attack anybody who's not inside our camp already. And easy to say it uh, to somebody you don't know on Twitter, right? Yes. What well, happened to you? Like, we were right? talking about this last week that like you yeah. posted some, you know, totally harmless tweet and like it's people calling you names in the comments section or, or tweeting back at you and yeah, what does that get us, you know? It, it, my 10-year-old is obsessed with how many people, you know, she doesn't have Instagram because she's not allowed to. But she's on this app called Wishbone and like how many people like her thing and, how, and like mm -hmm. we become so obsessed with the right. like or the dislike, the thumbs up or the thumbs down and it becomes a pastime instead of, you know, what it should be, which is just a, a casual hobby. It becomes everything. That, it right. means everything to us. They should focus on their podcasts, you know? The they should listen to more podcasts. Wishbone. <laughs> That's yeah, right. Just listen, listen to the podcast. I, I, I just I agree completely with everything said here, and Tim's got a great point. It's also people that are of influence that aren't politicians, but I am talking about Hollywood. Something showed up on my screen the other day, and it, w it was the, the Robert De Niro. It was an article, I guess, about De Niro and how at the Tonys, I mean, he comes out and says, F the president, and says it a couple of times, and the crowd cheers. And, he, and he, that's not the only thing he's done. It's gone on and on. But then that uh, emboldens others in Hollywood. I mean, it's been going on for the last two years and longer. Right. And that is a real problem because so many of our youth look up to Hollywood, you know, look up to stars and now you've got stars weighing in, but not doing it in a constructive way most of the time, I think, um, but really, really tearing down. There seem to be a lot society. of forms where, you know, people on both sides will say things that don't normally get uh, mainstream approval that then it's, it's sometimes not even, like you said, what is said that, that shocks people. Sometimes it's, it's how it 
is right. responded well, to by the masses. And Tony's yeah. not going to like this, so I'll preface it with that. <laughs> but this is a president of, so, so Washington, D.C. has uh, always been known as Hollywood for ugly people, right? Because, like, <laughs> a lot of power, but right. maybe not a lot of looks out Nerd there. Prom. Nerd prom. Nerd <laughs> yeah. prom. But then you've got real Hollywood, and then you've got a president who's actually married the two together. Yeah, that's right. You've got right, Hollywood right. went to Washington, and then, you know, it's, it's terrible on both sides. No disagreement here. One of the things, always, you know, people, I completely understand why people get very upset with the president and, and the things he says and does. But, but I also always try to point out, Donald Trump is a product of our culture, of our society. He didn't just emerge and shape all the things that we're seeing. He, he will use those things to his advantage, but you're absolutely right. He, he is the marriage between Hollywood and Washington, D.C., and social media and all of these things. And, and it, it gave us the Donald Trump baby. And you know, we had a pretty <laughs> yes. interesting moment last week. It was kind of rare, I guess, this day and age, the way that uh, Congressman-elect uh, Crenshaw, is it, handled the mm -hmm. Saturday Night yeah, Live. Yeah, it was, uh, yes. He was in, insulted by one of the weekend uh, update anchors the previous week who, who you know, made fun of his injuries from war. Why, why would you say something like that? Uh, Crenshaw comes onto the show the next week. Um, Saturday Night Live, Pete Davidson. Yeah, and it was amazing. Yeah. They apologized well. to yeah. him. Yeah. Uh, Crenshaw goes up there with a little uh, humility as well. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of a nice moment, and we don't always see that. No, not at all. Right? And that was actually one that I stayed up and, and wound up watching live. Right. And you actually, there was a moment of hope for the future of our country, <laughs> even though it was brought to us by Saturday Night Live. It was it was a really nice. They were moment. joking about the yeah. tension they had the week before, and in a way that kind of helped move past the situation. Right? You don't always see that. But Hopefully I feel like be more of that. Yeah. I, I feel like to a much smaller level, we've 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 accomplished some things here in that regard with a nice conversation yes. on the podcast today, guys. Thank you so much. <laughs> you. We'll see you again next week with more.